I'm Tavis Smiley. Glad to have you in with us today in our first hour. I uh, had a great conversation just now with Brandon Johnson, who could be the next brother mayor in the city of Chicago. We thank him for taking time away from the campaign trail uh, to talk to us on our program. Uh, now, a conversation uh, about new data, uh, about how the high rate of joblessness for black men affects black women. Please be joined now by Dr. Algernon Austin. Director for Race and Economic Justice at the Center for Economic and Policy Research. Dr. Austin, good to have you back. First of all, how are you, sir? I am doing well, and it's good to be back. Always a pleasure. Uh, pleasure is all mine, and I love being downloaded with the data that you often share with us that uh, we have to uh, wrestle with even uh, when we don't want to. So <laughs> let me start with this. On, on, on balance, it, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, it, it seems you know novel enough to me that... Uh, the joblessness rate for black men uh, would, in fact, uh, in some ways, um, impact African-American women. Um, so uh, tell me what I'm not focusing in on. What am, what am I missing here? Because well, you, you well, can't tease me that people, yeah. well, well, some people actually don't get that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which is, that's uh, weird. You yeah. know, they, they should, but they don't. I mean, some people kind of automatically, reflexively go into this sort of men versus women mm-hmm. frame and assume that, well, if you're helping black men, then you're hurting black women, or if you're helping black women, then you're hurting black men. And the report is really trying to disabuse people of that idea and recognize that, you know, black men and black women live in the same families, in the same neighborhoods, in the same communities, mm-hmm. and we have to find ways to lift up both um, and it's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. So tell me more then about the impact that the high rate of joblessness for black men is in fact having on black women. Well, the other thing, the other important point that people don't realize is how severe the black men's jobs crisis is. Uh, for from 2000 to now, they're typically about a million more black women working than black men. You know, for for the last two decades, that's been the case. Mm -hmm. And for all other racial groups, for all other racial groups, you typically see more men working than 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 women. So the black population is unique in having this particularly low rate of employment for for black men. And again, it's it's a low rate of employment for black men. It's not a high rate, a particularly high rate of employment for black women. Black women, too, have a high unemployment rate. Um, So we do want an even higher employment rate for black women, but the rate for black men is really incredibly low. It's lower than for white men, for Latino men, for American Indian men, for Asian men. You don't see this disparity, this this kind of male-female disparity uh, that you see in the black population in any other racial population. So, so you, that's an important thing that people don't realize. It is an important thing. You've teed it up, and so now we're all curious, and I'm not naive, of course, in asking this, but why are black men uniquely different when it comes to employment than every other race of people in this country? Uh, there are several factors. One is uh, the decline of manufacturing uh, has hit black men pretty hard. The manufacturing sector in the United States was a place for good jobs for people who didn't have a college degree, Um, and the black male population is less likely to be college-educated than the white male population, for example, and, and black men relied pretty strongly on those manufacturing jobs. 
So with the decline, the deindustrialization of America, that has hurt black men. The other thing is the just general anti-black discrimination in the labor market, you know, to, you know, a, a white man with a high school who dropped out of high school has a better chance of getting a job than a black man with a high school diploma. Um, the other thing is mass incarceration. Mm. So the, you know, mass incarceration has really hit the black male population harder than any other population. And if you have a criminal record, I mentioned already, being black is is often a strike against you in the labor market. But once you add a criminal record on that, that, that makes it extremely difficult. So I think those are the three of the major factors that leads to such a, a low rate of employment for black men. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this, at this list of the three things you just identified. Uh, deindustrialization, number one. Um, old school racism, number two, and mass incarceration, number three. And I'm not so sure that of that list of three things that you put your finger on, that there's anything much that black men can do about the first one for sure. Um, We don't control uh, manufacturing in this country. Uh, We're just victimized by the deindustrialization. So not much we can do about the first. Um, and when I look at the other two, <laughs> racism, uh, and mass incarceration, I'm not so sure there's much we can do about the second one. Uh, racism is still the most intractable issue that I say all the time in this country. And the third one, I could go out on a limb and argue that we don't have to behave in waves, in ways that is, that, uh, get us incarcerated. Uh, but I'm not naive here again either because I recognize that there's a police state that we live in and that black men are targeted by that police state. So my, my point here is, I hope pretty obvious, that the three things primarily that hold black men back when it comes to uh, uh, employment, not sure there's much that we can do about any of those three. And that, beyond the data, is even more distressing, Dr. Austin. It it is it is uh but I, I would say it's not quite I, I don't think it's quite as bleak <laughs> as you may present it. Uh so we have seen some reduction uh you know, prior to COVID in particular, reduction in mass incarceration. We have seen some positive reforms. Uh it, it certainly has not been enough by by any measure. But we have seen some positive trends there. So I think, uh, you know, the, the point of doing this work is really to get people to recognize the problem and mobilize and organize, because that's how, that's how change happens. Um, so I think, uh, given the recent progress that's been made in mass incarceration, we should be hopeful uh, that more with more um, organizing and agitation that we can make some progress there in terms of discrimination yeah that's a that's a long uh, struggle especially given you know the conservatives you know the the sort of colorblind mm-hmm. well not even colorblind that the conservatives on the court who refuse to acknowledge that um, racial discrimination exists the 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 decline in manufacturing there has been some good news in the sense that the uh bipartisan infrastructure act uh 
that Biden passed and also the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, some of the jobs that are, you know, that's going to help, that's going to help uh, manufacturing jobs to a degree. The other thing that I talk about in the report is the, there's um, this scholar at the Brookings Institution who talks about heal jobs, and that's health education, administration, and literacy. Mm-hmm. And that's a sector, particularly the health sector, that's, that's been growing. And what, what he calls for, and what I agree with, is to how can we get, we need to figure out how can we get more men in healthcare occupations and in education occupations, um, because those are, those are growing sectors of the economy. Uh, that's, it's not an easy task in any way. Uh, because, unfortunately, a lot of those jobs are bad jobs, so you have to make them good jobs um, regardless, right. but you have to make them good jobs if we expect men to uh, move into that sector. Yeah. So there's, there's work to be done, but I do think that, that you know, it's not completely bleak. Yeah. It's not completely bleak, uh, but when we come forward, um, I want to pivot ever so gently. Um, when Dr. Austin uh, joins us on this program, we are typically um, discussing uh, data. And my question is to that end, end up being primarily political and economic. When we come forward, though, I want to ask him a personal question. Not political, not economic, but personal. And the personal question is how he has dedicated himself all these years to working in a field where he's tracking data about black folk. And you probably know where I'm going here, right? the data that he's tracking about black folk tends to be pretty negative uh, and pretty stubborn. Uh, so I hear his point. Uh, he's been, been optimistic that things aren't as bleak as I say they are. Well, he's a nice guy. I think I'm right. <laughs> he's being kind and generous and charitable. That's a charitable read. Um, but, but, I, but I am curious on a personal level how he dedicates himself every day to tracking data that is rarely encouraging, rarely empowering, rarely uplifting when it comes to black people, number one. And I want to get his take on what his research suggests to him uh, vis-a-vis black women's views on black men's high rate of joblessness. What do sisters actually think about that? Uh, Dr. Algernon Austin is our guest. More when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Dr. Algernon Austin, I will hold my personal question that I teed up uh, a moment ago for a moment. Uh, but I want to start by asking right quick, uh, what's the research telling you about black women's views on black men's high rate of joblessness? Yes. Um, yes. So about 80 percent based on this is a nationally representative survey that we commissioned at the end of last year. And 80 percent of black women are concerned about the broad problem of joblessness for black men in America, 80 percent. So, you know, a significant majority of black women recognize this as a problem that needs addressing. The other thing, uh, this is the general problem in America of joblessness for, for black men. When you go to, what about the black men that are specifically in your family? What about your sons? What about your brothers? What about your husbands, boyfriends, partners, basically around two-thirds of black women have some level of concern about whether the men in their lives will be able to get or keep a job. Uh, So again, this is a significant concern, not just as a broad American problem, but in their own lives, uh, black women are worried about this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
60, about two-thirds believe uh, that if there were more jobs for black men in black communities, there would be less crime in black communities. Mm-hmm. So that's another important thing. And the research does support that. Um, another, about almost 80% recognize that if you help men and boys in, their black, in, in, in black communities, you will also have a positive impact on women and girls. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And let me just say, finally... Not surprisingly, given everything that I said, over 80%, 84% of black women say there needs to be more jobs available for black people in black communities. So you hear people talk about, well, the labor market is too hot and everybody who wants a job can get a job. Not in black communities. There's still a very high rate of joblessness in black communities, and black women are aware of this, and they see a need. The overwhelming majority see a need for more jobs in black communities. I'm watching my clock. My time is getting tight. Let me ask you this question right quick, and then we'll move on to what I said I wanted to cover earlier, and that is um, the the following. Uh, I could tell at the very beginning of this conversation, ask the audience, that you were chagrined when I raised this notion of how the high rate of joblessness for black men does, in fact, impact and affect black women. I can tell you were a bit chagrined um, and you found it a bit disconcerting that every time we raise this issue, people automatically go in and make this a he versus she, a black man versus black woman thing. How debilitating is that long term? I mean, I, how, how, yeah, you, you take my point. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 ultimately destructive because right. <laughs> as these black women are recognizing, if if their fathers, their brothers, their um, you know boyfriends and husbands are jobless, you know that's going to hurt them. So the the report is showing that there is both an emotional harm in terms of worry, but there is also a financial burden that this joblessness places on Black women because right. Black women. Uh, end up uh, often supporting these these black men who mm. who don't have jobs. Yeah. So if these more black men had jobs, that improves the financial health of the entire community. The entire community makes sense to me. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Dr. Algernon Austin, the question: How does one dedicate himself or herself every day to tracking data about a particular group of people where the data seems to always be negative? You're listening to KBLA Talk 15. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now, Got about three minutes left. Uh, three minutes left in conversation with Dr. Algernon Austin, who's Director for Race and Economic Justice at the Center for Economic and Policy Research. As I said earlier, Dr. Austin, I tend to, in these conversations with you, uh, unpack data with you. Uh, and my questions tend to be, for obvious reasons, political and economic. I've never asked you a personal question, but I want to ask now if I can. Um, how is it that you uh, do this work every single day when, by and large, the data that you're tracking, because you happen to be tracking tracking it about black people in this place called America, tends to be not so encouraging, if I can uh, be kind uh, yeah, no, you're you're right. It's it's difficult work. It's difficult work and discouraging <laughs> mm. uh, from time to time. But I also think I think of our ancestors who who I always say, look, they they went up against a lot worse than were than what I have to go up against mm-hmm. and what we we're going up against today. So if they were able to keep pushing forward, I I have to do the same. And, the, the, and but but, uh, but, the, but the difference the difference is this. the difference is this. Our ancestors had to push uh, forward um, against all the odds. I get that. 
Um, the difference is that they weren't looking at data. <laughs> they, 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 were, they were pushing forward uh, based not on optimism, as I say all the time, but based on hope. They, they did what they did because they were hopeful that things would get better for their offspring uh, in the years and generations to come. So they were motivated by hope. You're looking at data, which oftentimes makes it difficult to be hopeful. Yes, yes. It is difficult. It is depressing. Um, you know, I think the last time I was on your show, I talked about 60 years of unemployment disparities, exactly. the two to one. And yes, it, it is It is a challenge. But like King was doing in his last year and really trying, mm-hmm. recognizing that you needed uh, poor people's campaign. You needed um, a broad multiracial movement. I am still basically that. That's I think King was right. Yeah. That's what we need. You know, deindustrialization didn't just happen to black people, yeah. right? So there is a multiracial base there. Mass incarceration disproportionately hurt, hurt black people. Absolutely. But there was also an increase in incarceration for white people and, and Latinos. Yeah. Um, and similarly, uh, yes, there there's high rates of joblessness among the black population, but also in Appalachia there's high rates of joblessness, mm-hmm. and in the um, American Indian population and in the Southwest. So I continue with my full employment for all campaign, really mm-hmm. trying to build that mass multiracial movement that mm-hmm. can move us in a positive direction. It's an amazing campaign. I'm glad you're behind it. It's called the Full uh, Employment for All campaign, um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great work. I'm still stuck on the first half hour of our program today when Brandon Johnson, who could be the next brother mayor of Chicago, um, uh, s- said to us that, uh, speaking of data, that in Chicago, black folk earn, uh, on average, one cent for every one dollar that our white brothers and sisters make one cent for every one dollar. And that's in the city of Chicago. I digress. Um, but I'm glad you're doing the work because um, we can't know what we got to do uh, if, we, uh, if we don't have data to unpack it for us. So, Dr. Austin, thank you once again for your work. We'll talk again down the road, sir. Yeah, my pleasure once again. I can't wait to do it again. Likewise, hour two of Tavis Smiley after news, traffic and sports. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580.